The latest with Tennessee in the transfer portal, plus some wins from the transfer portal the last couple of years for Tennessee. That and a whole lot more at your Wednesday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you. Wednesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Lockdown Vols. We are a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day. I'm your host, Derek Kane. Thanks so much for being here, making Lockdown Vols your first listen each and every day. Um, I know it gets repetitive if you're a hashtag everydayer. Thank you so much. But um, new news, you know, coming out of the transfer portal, offers for Tennessee, players leaving for the portal, all that type of stuff. So we're going to kind of have a, a transfer portal update a couple of times throughout the week, and that's what we're going to talk about here in segment one. Plus, wins from the transfer portal. We know the wins, uh, a lot of the wins from years past in, in terms of players who turned out well for Tennessee. What about the ones from this past year? We'll get into that in segment number two. And then finally, a little Ward Wednesday in segment number three. Okay, so what's the latest going on via the transfer portal? As I said on yesterday's show, you, you sit here, you record. I, I try to, you know, I try to have a little bit of a nightlife, right? Well, not a nightlife, but to go out and spend some time with my, you know, my wife and, and you know, whoever. Um, so I try to get, you know, podcast recorded late afternoon. As always, you know, things happen. That's just literally how it goes. And I edited and was uploading and everything. And then Addison Nichols hits the transfer portal. And then in true 2023 college football fashion, you have John Campbell, who announces he's going to return for not his fifth year, not his sixth year, but his seventh year in college football. And that happened Monday nights at 937. And then it took about 20 minutes to get confirmation that his hilarious tweet that he put out there announcing his return truly was him saying, hey, I'm coming back to Tennessee. So it was about 10 o'clock on a Monday night before we were confirmed ready to roll with John Campbell in 2024. Um, it was hilarious. I, I, we're, we're sitting here like, okay, well, we had, we had heard that he was kind of trending in terms of wanting to come back to Tennessee. But you put out a tweet like that, and it certainly looks like you're going to come back to Tennessee. But you know, as as a reporter, you want to be for sure. <laughs> so you're sitting there like, hello, you know, calling, texting, and uh, you get that confirmation. But um, that was hilarious. If you don't know what the tweet I'm talking about, go follow John Campbell on Twitter and go back and look at the video that he put out announcing his return to Tennessee. Freaking hilarious. <laughs> so, so funny. So anyway, that's a huge gift for Tennessee. Um, you know, we'll kind of start this conversation with, with him. You know, kind of coming into this offseason – there, there's 20 plus players that Tennessee could could have back or could leave, and you kind of have tears, right? You feel good about these guys. We'll have to see, we'll have to see, but you feel better about these guys coming back than this group of guys. Honestly, I would have put John Campbell in the group that you didn't feel too good about coming back to Tennessee. Um, he, along with all these other seniors, are kind of getting feedback and kind of you know some, some feedback from the NFL coaches and scouts on you know, where could you see me being drafted, all that type of stuff. And, and you know, maybe he got some feedback and he didn't really like it and thought that he could benefit by coming back to college for one more year. Um, again, it's a bit unorthodox, his seventh year, but if you're Tennessee, you'll gladly take it. So that sure's up one tackle for next year. You know, John Campbell came in and um, he was, you know, pretty solid in, in his nine games played at Tennessee. He started all nine games, missed a couple of games due to injury. Um, he was a really good pass blocker. Wasn't as consistent, obviously, as Glenn Ellerby probably wants him to be, but was a really solid player. And so when you're forecasting what your offensive line and what your team can look like in 2024, 
man, left tackle is a big, big question mark. And, and that's solidified now with John Campbell coming back. So, you know, that's huge. <laughs> you know, that that's, that's really, really huge. Um, so that, that was a huge win for Tennessee late on a Monday night, you know, got reports all day yesterday, uh, you know, from various, you know, people, Instagram stories, all that type of stuff. And that, you know, Keenan Peely is, um, you know, coming back to Tennessee, I, I still feel good about that. Felt good about Keenan Peely coming back to Tennessee for, for quite a while now. He has yet to announce that. Um, but, but again, I, I feel like Tennessee's in good shape to, to get the linebacker back. So we'll see exactly when, if he announces, but I, I feel good about that at this time. And then the other one I want to talk about is Addison Nichols. <clears throat> you know, Addison Nichols, he was one that you, you thought was going in the portal. He was one that you, you had heard the name thrown out there that he was, you know, going to the portal. There's so many different rumors out there. But he was one that you, you thought was going to go into the portal. And that one's kind of that, that one's kind of one that stings, I feel like, if you're a Tennessee fan. On one hand, you have a guy that had every opportunity to step up and take a starting job. Um, Tennessee pretty much begged him to take that starting center job when Cooper Mays went down. You know, it was force-feeding him, force-feeding him, force-feeding him in spring practice to be the backup center. And then in, uh, in in fall camp when Cooper Mays went down, it didn't work out. And then that kind of opened up the door for left guard. Ollie Lane sliding down. Andre Kirik, of course, was was battling there at left guard. He ended up starting the first couple games of the season there. But Addison Nichols also had an opportunity to step up and be the left guard for this offense, and it didn't happen. So on one hand, you're like, man, he he had all these opportunities. He didn't take advantage of it. But on the other hand, you look at it, and he was one of the highest-rated you know, prospects signed by Tennessee under Josh Heupel. Um, hasn't lived up to that rating just yet, but he's still only a redshirt freshman. And so it's like, well, man, if you could just stay at it, stay at it. You know, maybe you'll only be a one or a two-year starter, but you know, let's see what you can be. So this one kind of stings a little bit. Of all the um, the young freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomore offensive linemen that you could see going to the portal. And he was certainly one of them. He was probably the one that you, you didn't want to see go. You know, man, I'm not speaking for you, but I'm just speaking for myself. He's one that you probably wouldn't want to see go because I still think he could turn into a good player. But nonetheless, Addison Nichols has gone to the transfer portal. So at the time of this recording, and again, I stress at the time of this recording because things change all the time, Tennessee has one, two, three, four, five players who have entered the transfer portal. Addison Nichols, offensive lineman. Mo Clipper Jr., offensive lineman, Brandon Turnage, a cornerback, Warren Burrell, a cornerback, and Jack Luttrell, a safety. So Tennessee has five in the transfer portal. Tennessee has not signed anybody out of the transfer portal just yet, but they have offered a couple of guys. And I went over this list uh, yesterday, but I'll go, at it, I'll go at it again. Middle Tennessee State University defensive lineman Marley Cook, Texas A&M offensive lineman Remington Strickland, uh, tied in from UConn, who we spoke about yesterday, and who will be in for an official visit this weekend, Justin Jolie. Um, Tennessee offered a really intriguing prospect from the FCS ranks on Tuesday as well. A freshman All-American, Seed Gibbs. Uh, Six-foot, 180-pound corner, started 10 games as a sophomore or redshirt freshman. 52 tackles, three TFLs, three interceptions, six pass defend defended um, as a redshirt freshman this past year. Again, playing and starting in 10 games. And he announced last week that he was going to another portal. Officially went in there on Monday. Tennessee offered him on Tuesday. So that's one to pay attention to. Again, coming from the FCS ranks, Rhode Island, where he was defensive rookie of the year in that conference, a freshman All-American. And since then, he's picked up offers, some big-time offers, 
from Wisconsin, from Cincinnati, of course, now from Tennessee and some others, including UConn Liberty, Boston College, Appalachian State, UMass, Western Kentucky. Oh, a Georgia Tech. And then here's another one, West Virginia as well. So that one can be a uh, one to watch as well. Plus the, the one I mentioned that the Notre Dame tight end, uh, his name is slipping my mind right now, but he's one to watch as well. Tennessee has a whole lot of interest in there. You're seeing early on Tennessee has showing is showing interest and trying to get tight ends to come to campus because obviously that is a that is just a huge, huge need. So that's the latest with Tennessee in the transfer portal at this time. Of course, later tonight at the at whenever you know we're gearing up, we're getting ready to you know go have dinner plans or getting ready for bed or whatever. I'm sure something else will happen, but we will always touch on it right here on Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys for being here, of course, as always. I'm going to get into some transfer portal wins from this past year. That is coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. Do want to tell you about our friends over at Jace Medical. Jace Medical. I know we come here to talk sports and escape from some of the craziness and some of those realities that you see in real life, but can we talk just for a moment about something that is you know, preparing us for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of some antibiotics. Uh, it's the middle of flu season. That can be really, really scary. I can't help imagine maybe that helpless feeling. I don't have kids, but maybe you do. If, if, if your kid or your spouse or whoever might be sick and you don't have the medication to kind of treat that right, right then and there, thankfully, an option for you can be Jace Medical. The Jace Pack is packed with five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial, uh, bacterial illnesses, uh, respiratory infections, uh, other type of infections as well. The stuff could happen to any of us, and you want to be prepared. And Jace Medicals give you an option to be prepared. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your your uh, physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed uh, by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. Plus, it's never been more important to be prepared than today. You can go to jacemedical.com and use the promo code locked on. You're going to get $20 off your order. That's jacemedical.com. Use the promo code locked on for $20 off your order right now at Jace Medical. Segment number two of a Wednesday show. We got Ward Wednesday with Josh Ward coming up here in just a few minutes. We're going to talk transfer portal wins from 2023 here in this segment. But real quick, uh, an oversight by me, my guy Robo22 uh, sent in a question for the mailbag show for yesterday's show, and he listed a, a number of quarterbacks that either Tennessee lost or didn't have interest in that went on to do big things. Trevor Lawrence, um, Michael Penix Jr., <laughs> of course, uh, Mario Rogers, T. Higgins, those are wide receivers. And and I kind of talked what I knew on those players uh, here here for a little bit on yesterday's show, but I completely forgot, I skipped over, not intentionally, uh, Keaton Salter, who is doing big things at Liberty right now. What happened with Caden Salter is he just he just got into some trouble, guys. Uh, not, not once, but twice, had a couple of off-the-field uh, incidences where he forfeited the opportunity to be here at Tennessee. Young guys, and I remember talking with him during the recruiting process, super nice guy. Um, I guess that would be the class of 2021, right? 2022, maybe 22, maybe anyway, all those classes get confusing a couple years later. Um, he was the straw that served the drink. I mean, he was, he, everybody in that class was like, yeah, Caden said this, Caden's doing that. He's got a group text and all that. And he was kind of the focal point. He was a pillar of that class. And, you know, Jeremy Pruitt recruited him. And then of course that happened and, and Josh Hopple, you know, came and was, you know, head coach here at Tennessee, but there were a couple of situations where he got in trouble off the field and um, he got a second chance, got in trouble again, and ultimately that led to, led to his dismissal 
uh, from the team. So if there's any rumor about the you know Salter not fitting the scheme of the offense or anything, that's uh, th- that's inaccurate. That's not true. He just at the time messed up a couple of times. You hope that he gr- has grown from that, and obviously on the field, he's doing a great job there uh, this year. That is Caden Salter. All right, who were some transfer portal wins for the University of Tennessee over the years? I mean, uh, you know, we we can talk about. Hendon Hooker, he came from the transfer portal. Joe Milton this past year came from the transfer portal. Um, Brew McCoy's come from the transfer portal. Javante Payton a couple years ago from the portal. Gerald Mincy, John Campbell. Um, you know, some offensive linemen have come from the portal the last couple of years. Defensively, there's been some others as well. Keenan Peely. Uh, you, you know, obviously, you, like I said in segment one, feel good about kind of where Tennessee is that he's going to get back, but, you know, just going to wait on his official announcement one way or the other. He only played in one game, but if, if he – Decides to come back, man. That's that's I count that as a portal gift for this year, really, because he played in one game. Uh, Omar Norman Lots. List goes on and on uh, of some of these big time portal wins for the University of Tennessee, and there are some that I, I forgot to mention. And Tennessee's built a lot of success on some guys from the portal, and 2023 was was no different. Uh, 2023. Here are some of the transfer portal wins that Tennessee got this time last year. They came in and contributed in a big way for Josh Heupel in this Tennessee offense. First, we'll start with offense before getting to a couple of those on defense. Uh, no ifs, ands, buts about it. I believe the number one transfer portal win on the offensive side of the football from this past season was tied in McCallum Castles. Um, you guys know, especially if you read our work and my work at VolQuest.com and you listen to me, hashtag everydayers, uh, here on the show, man, I think the world of the tight end position in this offense, it's so critical. Outside of quarterback and probably center, um, and really you can make the debate between tight end and center in this offense, which one's more important. But the tight end position is so important. Again, Tennessee wants to go up tempo. Tennessee wants to go fast. In order to do that, you need to be able to run the football as well. You need to line up in different formations, and the tight end allows you to do that by being versatile and staying on the field and, and not substituting for personnel, which would in return allow the defense to substitute as well. So for McCallum Castles to come in, Primarily be a receiving target um, his first you know four years in, in college and not UC Irvine, but UC Davis and originally Cal. He had to come in and kind of refine his blocking techniques, and he did a good job. I mean, it wasn't an easy process, but he, he did his part in you know, blocking for a Tennessee backfield that surpassed 2,400 yards on the season, which was really good. And, oh, yeah, he was pretty good as well. Caught four touchdowns on 21 receptions for 265 yards. The tight ends have never been a huge focal point in the passing game, but this year, along with Jacob Warren, who had 17 receptions for 100-something yards, but also four touchdowns, man, Castles and, and Warren combined for eight touchdowns. That's a lot of productivity from the tight end position. So I thought McCallum Castles did a great job. He would be my number one win via the transfer portal on the offensive side of the football. My number two win would be John Campbell. Uh, John Campbell... Offensive tackle again. He started in, let's see here. He started in all nine games that he played, missed a couple of games due to injury. He had 538 offensive snaps. He uh, was one of the, uh, the better pass blockers on this team. 72.8 was his pass blocking grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, you know, Tennessee had a need, right? Darnell Wright left for the NFL draft. He ended up going 10th overall to the Chicago Bears. And Tennessee wasn't settled, and Tennessee wasn't happy with just your options at Jeremiah Crawford and Gerald Mincy, who platooned at left tackle 
2022 for the nation's number one offense. Also had Dane Davis as an option at tackle as well. Needed another body. Needed to add some more competition. And thankfully you did that because there were so many injuries this year to the offensive line that all four of those offensive tackles played a ton for Tennessee. But John Campbell was, you know, physically um, is, is, the, is the best in that regard. Needs some more consistency, of course, and that's something he can work on. Of course, as we mentioned in segment one, he announced he's coming back for the 2024 season. So he was still a big, big focal point. He had that huge block against Virginia that's still getting, you know, <laughs> passed around on social media as being one of the best plays from the uh, from the season. And uh, that's a really, really cool to see. So uh, John Campbell would be my number two win on the transfer portal side for offense for Tennessee this year. My third one's going to be Charles Campbell. Charles Campbell, massive hole was filled in terms of kicker. Chase McGrath left. C Campbell goes on 18 for 23, 78% on field goals. Uh, he connected on all 44 of his point-after attempts. He made multiple 50-plus-yard field goals in his career at Indiana. He was 0 for 3 in that regard, which was a little bit of a letdown here at Tennessee. But from 40 yards within, he was a perfect 15 for 15. At one point in time, he was like a perfect... 17 for 17 from 50 yards in. He ended up missing two from the 40 to 49 range as the year went on. But overall, 18 of 23 and 44 of 44. Field goals to PATs. Pretty solid, right? And uh, Tennessee's benefited greatly from the transfer portal in terms of kicker each of the past three seasons. It begs the question, will Tennessee do that um, you know, this year with a you know with a kicker need? Josh Turbeville is the, the in-house option. JT Carver as well is an option. Uh, but with Tennessee experiment and go out and, and find a kicker from somewhere else to kind of fill that gap. You know, we'll have to see. I wanted to put Dante Thornton in here, but Dante Thornton spent the majority of the season being a real disappointment. And then when they moved him outside, he was starting to really come along, did well at Kentucky, caught a really, really nice touchdown pass at Missouri on the play that he got hurt. He did have a nice, uh, you know, long reception against Florida earlier in the year, but just when he was starting to kind of come around, he had that injury. So, all the talk was going to be Dante Thornton, and I think it, you know, begs him pretty well to kind of break out in 2024. Because again, he's got the length, he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, he's everything you want in a wide receiver, especially in this offense. So um, he needs to get healthy. We'll see if he can play in the bowl game or not, and uh, expect big things from Dante Thornton in 2024. But he does not make my list on the offensive side. Defensively, there's only two that I could really pick. Um, I wanted to put Keenan Peely on this, but I, I I couldn't rationalize it with playing with one football game. I just couldn't. Even if he decides to come back um, it, it, to Tennessee, I, I couldn't quite rationalize that. So I only I only have two here. The first one's Omar Norman Lott, man. Tennessee's defensive line, Tennessee's defense took a massive step in getting after the passer this year. 36 sacks, second in the SEC, 10th in college football, the most sacks in program history since the year 2000. Um, I'm not going to make that same joke again, guys. Uh, but uh, a huge reason for it was James Pierce. He had eight and a half sacks. Tyler Barron had six sacks. Uh, Joshua Joseph had three sacks. But from the interior, Omar Norman Lott had five and a half sacks. That, that's really, really productive. Coming over from Arizona State, came in, was a part of that rotation, um, already had a pre-existing relationship with Rodney Garner. Uh, he actually entered the transfer portal in the 2021 cycle. Rodney Garner talked to him, decided to go back to Arizona State. So when he jumped in the transfer portal after the conclusion of the 2022 season, Rodney Garner kind of already knew him. And so it was uh, a pretty good marriage there. But five and a half sacks from the defense, defensive tackle position, it's pretty good. Omar, Omar Norman Lott has another year of eligibility. 
We will see if he uses that. Uh, I think things are sitting well for Tennessee at this moment, but as we know, things can change. And the last one I'm going to highlight on defense would be Gabe Judy Lolly. Gabe Judy Lolly um, <laughs> played three years at Vanderbilt, went and played a year at BYU, had a year of eligibility left, came to Tennessee, actually has another year of eligibility, and we'll see what he wants to do. I, again, I get confused. COVID years, redshirt years. John Campbell is about to play his seventh college season. I mean, it's it's ridiculous the era that we're in right now. But Gabe Judy Lolly um, came to Tennessee, veteran, um, had prowess, uh, you know, was was smart, a good leader, and he ended up starting each of the past uh, last ten games. So he started the ten, didn't start the first two games, started the last ten games in a row, played a season or played a a uh, position high of 609 snaps at the cornerback position. So led all Tennessee cornerbacks and 609 snaps. According to Pro Football Focus, he was second to Kamal Haddon in both an overall grade at 73.8 and a coverage grade at 72.0. So we know Kamal Haddon had an elite grade for Tennessee this year. It's unfortunate Kamal Haddon's uh, season got cut short uh, because of that injury. But Gabe Gidulali came in and did about as much as you wanted to be, uh, came in and, and could have played from day one, played in all games, you know, saw, saw playing time in all 12 games, but started each of the past 10 games and did a pretty good job. You know, had an interception, had uh, 36 tackles, I believe. So did a pretty good job. Uh, those are the ones that were, I would deem as wins. I would consider wins for Tennessee from this past transfer portal cycle. Who could be the wins from the 2024 or 2020 for the 2024 season for this transfer portal cycle that we're in right now? We'll have to find out. Got a couple of OVs coming in this weekend. We'll see if Tennessee can get any commitments. And ultimately, we can maybe have this conversation and predict this time next month who could be those winners from the transfer portal. All right, when we come back, we'll check in with Josh Ward for a little Ward Wednesday. All that and more coming up right, right here on Lockdown Balls. Do want to say about our friends over at FanDuel. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on all that action. Spreads, player props, overs, unders, the totals, and a whole lot more. If you're new, I encourage again the player props. It gives you something specific to focus on while you're watching the game, but spreads are so much fun, and of course, totals we love the overs, and you can get in on all that action right now. If you're a new customer, $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. This NFL season, FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Just as we do every single Wednesday, we'll end the show by talking with Josh Ward. We call it Ward Wednesday. Josh, co-host of Josh and Swain on 99.1 The Sports Animal. It is silly season, Josh, and uh, no better way to kick off silly season. It wasn't the first move, but uh, it was a 9.38 p.m. Eastern Time announcement. It was a funny video. It was speculation. John Campbell, though, did confirm that, hey, he is coming back to Tennessee. What do you make of that late on a, on a Monday night a couple days ago? Well, he was on the list of players to watch, and one of our biggest questions throughout the football season looking into the future was, okay, who's on the offensive line in 2024? And most of the season, I did not consider John Campbell because I expected his eligibility was going to run out. UT's bio said that his last year of eligibility was in 2023, but then it turns out he gets another year. Tennessee needs help at uh, both tackle positions, potentially, definitely a left tackle. 
And some of the younger players that they've brought in have not appeared ready. So Campbell, with his chance to return, at least solidifies a spot and answers a question about what Tennessee will do. And there are more questions to be answered on the offensive line, but we no longer have to ask, uh, what does Tennessee do at left tackle? I mean, maybe he has to compete, but your guess and mine is that he will be the starting left tackle for Tennessee again in 2024. Nah, he's coming back to play his seventh year of college football. He's coming back to play. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. he um, went healthy. He was Tennessee's obviously his best option. I think that uh, with anybody, you want uh, the, the the level of play to be better on a consistent level. Um but uh, nah, he's he's pretty solid when healthy and, and playing consistent. But hey, aren't we all? Yeah. Um, so you look and, at that. And that I will one. add, he he came to Tennessee to be one and done. He did not come to yeah. Tennessee to be here for two years. Campbell transferred from Miami to come to Tennessee to have a big year and move on to the NFL. But that may not be his best option right now. So another season at Tennessee, and we are in the world of NIL, which factors into all of these decisions in some way, not at the same level every time, but players who are deciding okay am I a mid-round pick am I a late round pick will I be on an NFL roster or can I play another year of college and make money uh, then that gives colleges a chance to retain players or find players you know some players can enter the transfer portal and say okay I can consider the draft or transferring to another school so there are more options and uh, more considerations both for players and schools so that was one domino that fall that fell earlier this week and i mean things move you know by the minutes and um it's it's hard to you know record a an episode for the next morning because i'm not going to wait until nine o'clock at night just not uh but one, one of those dominoes fell addison nichols into the transfer portal not shocked um i don't ever want to throw names around of players who i expect to enter the transfer portal i think that's um i think that's a little unprofessional because a lot of times you just don't know and things can change but he's one that and i there's knew so was many gonna rumors enter. yeah yes um, he's, he's one that I knew was going to enter. Um, he told the staff a couple days ago and, um, it's one of those, I look like, man, like I get it. He had chances here. Obviously he did not take advantage of those chances. On the other end, I'm like, man, he's just a red shirt freshman. Uh, it, that one kind of stings a little bit. He was a very highly rated re recruits and, uh, he's two years at Tennessee. Then he's going to go on and, and, uh, look for another opportunity. Yeah, for whatever reason, uh, Addison, I think, is right up there at the top of the most disappointing recruits that Tennessee has signed under Josh Heupel. And I'm not even placing blame in that statement. I'm just saying from where he was rated and what the expectation was for him, plus the need at the position that he plays, it did not work out. Nichols uh, was a big UT guy when he signed. He was a highly touted offensive lineman, and before his freshman season, Josh Heupel said he's not going to be good. He's going to be great at Tennessee. And I thought, okay, well, then, you know, this is a very important get in that first full class that they signed, and it did not work out. And considering the injury issues and the depth concerns they had on the interior of the offensive line this season, this was the season where they needed Addison Nichols to be able to make an impact, and it did not work out. Everything I hear about Addison is that he is a quality person. I know he wanted to come to Tennessee – and have a lot of success, but it did not work out. And I'm guessing he looked at it and said, well, it's maybe not going too long-term at Tennessee, but the class that he was a part of has not shown anything on the offensive line that it's going to be able to help. Uh, it, it didn't this past year and that it would help in 2024. And that's part of the reason we've had the questions we have and why the decisions of Cooper Mays and Javante Spragans to go along with John Campbell are so important. But uh, Nichols ranks right up there near the top of 
guys that Heupel has brought in that they hoped would make a huge impact by now, and it did not work out. Fun fact, a, a certain uh, radio host at, at the Sports Animal uh, just, just no-showed one day, just just didn't um, didn't plan on coming to work, and, and I was actually hosting Josh and Heather on, on the Sports Animal the day that Addison Nichols committed. It was you. You didn't show up. You were on vacation. You didn't show up. I was hosting that day, and I remember uh, announcing on air when when Addison Nichols made his commitment to Tennessee. But I had a scheduled opt out, Eric Kane. A scheduled <laughs> opt out. Good phrasing. Opt out. Scheduled opt out. I like it. Um, yeah, it's first time we we we've talked here since the Big Bowl announcement. Tennessee to the Citrus Bowl. Um, all things considered, I think that's a pretty good haul, right? Very much so. I mean, think about where things were in the middle of November, a loss to Missouri by the amount of points, and then the Georgia result. If fans had known or anybody had known then, hey, Citrus Bowl is still going to be the outcome, I think I think the mood would have been chipper at the time. Uh, it is kind of a, a funny draw. It's a bowl that is exciting and a location that is exciting in Orlando in a matchup that is not exciting by the typical matchup standard, but also Tennessee has a really good chance to get a win in this game. Uh, yeah. Iowa is an offensive team to watch a lot of the time, uh, <laughs> not because of the offense that will be on display, but you know, the Vols are big favorites. And of course we have, again, opt out questions who exactly is going to play. So that factors in somewhat to the conversation, but Eric Tennessee and what was a down season from 2022 still has a chance to get a ninth win to win in the Citrus Bowl and create some off-season momentum. And when I say that, we need to, again, be careful about reacting to what happens in the bowl game and believing that's going to affect how they will play in the next season. But in terms of the fan mood and the talk around Tennessee football, obviously winning is better for the conversation than losing. So uh, a chance to finish on a positive note. And if they win, that means the Vols have 20 wins in two seasons, which others have pointed out plenty of times. And... That's not something to scoff at. That That's no. better than most in the SEC and most around the country, and that's something that Tennessee football can use. Again, I continue to say, if you're disappointed in an 8-4 and four season, then that just goes to show you where the program is right now. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a positive for yeah. Tennessee football. If 8-4 and four is disappointing, that's a positive on the development of the program itself. I remember when I first started working at the, at the radio station with you guys a couple of years ago, it was like, I mean, can you just get the six? Can you get bowl eligible so you get those fifteen practices so these freshmen can come in and get some work? I mean, that was kind yeah. of the goal. And um, and now, I mean, if you're if you're disappointed with eight wins, then that just shows you the, the work that's been put in. Uh, out the door here, I, I do want to ask you get your take on how the college football playoff field shook out. The the uh, decision for Alabama to get in, they leave FSU mm -hmm. out. Liberty gets a New Year's bowl, uh, a New Year's six uh, bid instead of SMU. Kind of what were your thoughts on championship weekend and, and how the college football playoff and New Year's Six Bowls kind of shook out? Yeah, um, so with the playoff, I think two statements can be true. It can be true that Alabama can deserve the fourth spot in and that Florida State can feel like it was jobbed in that ruling. And I think that is the case. I would have taken Alabama over Florida State. I said on the radio, and I, and I believe it, if your opinion is Florida State should be in, Florida State is – an undefeated team, 13-0 from a Power 5 conference that deserves a chance to prove that it can still win it without the quarterback. I don't have a rebuttal to that. You're, you're not necessarily wrong. The problem is that in a four-team playoff, they can only select four. They don't get yeah. to select five. And so if Alabama were left out, yes, we could say 
well, they they lost a game. Yeah, they they lost a game against a team that is in the playoff. So then they'd somewhat be punished for scheduling that kind of game, which I will always promote. You're scheduling a home and home with teams like Texas, uh, Alabama, and Florida State. Both, by the way, schedule tough out of conference. Yep. Florida State played Florida, which stunk this year, but they're playing them every year and played LSU. Florida State did what it could. It lost Jordan Travis, and I don't. I don't think you can watch the Alabama Georgia game and watch Florida State Louisville and think that neither Alabama or Georgia belong in a top four, but that Florida State does. So I hate it, uh, but everyone who says the system is broken is correct. That's why it's changing. It, it took too long to change it, and of course it took the final year of the 14 playoffs for us to finally have this perfect storm, but the storm hit, and I feel bad for Florida State, but I think Alabama was the right pick. And if Bama's in, obviously Texas has to be as well. I'm sure that the text box was really friendly with that take and, and the calls are really friendly and agreeable with that take. I mean, I've, I've had some, I've been catching some shade here on the podcast for giving my take. I agree with you, by the way. Um, and also, I, just to show how flawed it still is, I mean, I think Alabama's one of the best four teams for sure it needs to be in, but like Georgia loses one game in seven yeah. years, now one game in three year, two years, and um, it, it's to a, a college football playoff team by three in the SEC championship. So if we're going to say that's the best four, I mean, Georgia's still a best four team. Yeah, so we, anyway, we, like, we put, again, we put only... arbitrary um, labels on things, and that's how it works. Like, the, the top five teams in the ranking are the five power five champions, right? But if you if you strip away a title and you just said, okay, 12 and one versus 12 and one versus 12 and one versus a, a couple of 13 and O's as well, I guess three, right? If we're talking about the top six, well, Georgia's twelve and one is probably more impressive than some of the other twelve and ones or thirteen and O's. But that's not exactly how it works. It's an it's an imperfect system. It's a committee that has to select teams, and when that happens, you are bound at some point to run into what we ran into this past weekend. Josh Ward, you got your uh, Josh and Swain newsletter every Friday morning at eight thirty. You can sign up a free subscription to that newsletter in the show notes and. Uh, what else you got coming up this week on the show? Yeah, uh, so we're in football and basketball mode, so you can go back and check out the sleigh ride. We're going to do it every Tuesday as we have the past several years, uh, the 1 o'clock hour Eastern time. Ron Slay, VFL with the SEC Network and on the zone in Nashville. So Tennessee hoops. And, yeah, if, if you take 10 seconds and then three minutes to read it, I think it'll be worth your while, uh, the Josh and Swain newsletter. So I appreciate you sharing the link, or if you want to type in joshandswain.com, it is free once a week, no spam. And um, also, when you're listening to the Slay Ride and you're getting turned up and everything with Ron Slay, just remember, if it wasn't for me and Heather Harrington, he would not have a radio career. So again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that victory lap. Uh, gosh, he was he used to drive up from Nashville for six a.m. Yeah. And I, I really want people to know that too. Like you think about yeah. athlete, anybody, they oh they get they just get handed. Ron Slay was handed nothing. He is a yeah. he is an SEC basketball legend, SEC Player of the Year. He would wake up early in the morning and drive to Knoxville from Nashville to get his reps, to do his work, and uh, it's paid off. He is he's very yeah. good. We love Ron. He's the best. He's the man. Josh Ward can learn a thing or two from him. Just kidding. Listen to Josh and Swain, ninety nine one, the Sports Animal. Josh, as always, buddy, I appreciate it. Glad I opted in today. Thanks, Eric. Glad that you opted in as well. Josh, a little zinger. 
Al Fedora will be back here for a Thursday edition of Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you for being here. As always, hit the subscribe, hit the like button on YouTube. we got to continue to push to that 10K subscriptions. And uh, as always, download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for being Lockdown Balls. A first listen each and every day. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow.